crown of thorns. It begins with the triumphal entry and the waving of palm branches. In fact, hundreds of years before this ultimate sacrifice, God spoke through prophets like Zechariah and laid out the exact events that would take place. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And Jesus did exactly that. As Jesus and his disciples approached Jerusalem, Jesus sent two of them ahead with these instructions. Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it, and will send it back here shortly. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. The gathering crowds knew this man was so important, they spread their own garments on the old dirty road for him and shouted with joy, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. And when this great man of God finally entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? And the crowds answered their own question. This is Jesus. Now, this is Palm Sunday. That's kind of the first part of what is called Holy Week, the, the week of Jesus' introduction as the Messiah on Sunday. And then later in the week, um, he, is, he introduces a, a change in the covenant relationship. Um, and then he announces that he's going to be betrayed. He is be betrayed, arrested, beaten, crucified, buried. And one week from the triumphal entry, as Palm Sunday is called, he rose from the dead. So this is kind of the heart of who we are and, and where we are and where we're going. Now, I have entitled this two-part series circle praying it was uh, after a book uh, written by Mark Batterson entitled the circle maker I'll put it on the uh, screen in a little bit for you to be able to visualize that I recommend the book it's a book on prayer the two kinds of people that that were there on on Palm Sunday at the triumphal entry uh, basically were the, the crowds that were worshiping Jesus, honoring him, declaring uh, that he is the Christ, the anointed one of God, and those who, who had all of the stop signs up. You, if you like to watch body language, it would have been fascinating to see these people side by side. Some of them were... Uh, in their shirt sleeves because they had spread their, their clothes on the road for Jesus' donkey to, to go by. And they were, they were jumping around. They were shouting uh, joyously uh, the praises of God and Hosanna. And then there were those who 
absolutely were opposed in every way. And their opposition is the weirdest thing because they prayed every day for the coming of the Messiah. And so the Messiah shows up and he gives testimony and witnesses uh, of who he is and of the power that resides in him in so many ways that it just messes with our minds when we read the Gospels. And those people said, no, it can't be the Messiah because the Messiah's got to come from Bethlehem. They didn't do any research to find out that actually he was from Bethlehem. Bright boys. And uh, they said, Nazareth... Look into it, is a quote from one of them, and you will find that a prophet does not come from Nazareth. No research here, just because I don't like him. So it's not about intellect, see. It was not an intellectual decision. They did not examine the facts and come to this conclusion that Jesus could not be the anointed one of God, the, the holy one of God, the Messiah. It, it had nothing to do with their intellect. You know what the deal was? They had an assigned position of honor and power under the Romans. The common people were sick and tired. In Oklahoma, we would have said they had a bellyful of the Romans. Now, I didn't say that here, but that's what we would have said. They were, they were filled up to here is another way of saying that with the Romans and the uh, anything you know any hope that they could have that maybe this was somebody that could help them out they were they were looking for that but these guys had a vested interest in the status quo these guys that were doing this you got to watch yourself today I want I want to draw a line between those who follow God with all their heart and those who who are doing this whenever God moves I have I've been in the pastorate and in the ministry long enough to watch God move and watch our flesh mess up some of the, the move of God. I remember when the charismatic movement came, um, that was the most exciting thing that had just about ever happened to me in my life beside getting saved and marrying Eunice. And these people were looking for answers some of them weren't even saved, but they wanted more of God. I had a bunch of uh, Episcopalian friends, and or they became friends. I really didn't know them until the, they got a hold of the cross and the switchblade. They got a hold of uh, John Sherrill's book, They Speak With Other Tongues. And uh, these were a bunch of research scientists that uh, were in the R&D facility of Halliburton Company in our city there. And they would just call me up, explain who they were, and make an appointment. And these, this was a, a parade of, of hotshot scientists, some of them PhDs. And they'd come in and sit down and say, and I would say, okay, tell me, tell me what you've read, where you are spiritually. And I would try to discern if they had met the Lord. If they hadn't, I'd lead them to Jesus. And then if they needed some instruction about how to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, I'd give them some instruction. I'd lay my hands on them. They'd be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they'd go on back to work. And I, I just, I, it was just over the top. I was so excited 
that I didn't know what to do. About that same time, uh, every Wednesday morning, we were having a breakfast of the Assemblies of God pastors in that area, and we just met together for breakfast and, and to hang out together for an hour or two. And, and one morning, one of the guys that pastored in a, in a little town 10 miles north of, of our city uh, got on this roll, and he was complaining about these people being blessed of God. And in the process of this complaining, he pulls out this line that's, that's the line of the losers in one of Jesus' parables. You know, the parable of the workers in the vineyard. Some of them went to work at 6 a.m., some 9 a.m., some noon. And then finally, it was a 12-hour day, so at 5 p.m., there was another batch that came in. And he, uh, the boss had contracted with this bunch at 6 a.m. And the rest of them, when he said, go work in the vineyard, he said, I'll pay you what's fair. So when these, these guys that came in and had worked one hour, they got the same amount that this 6 a.m. bunch had contracted for, as did everyone up to. And so when these people had been there for 12 hours, came to get their pay, they got what they had contracted for. And they said, this is not fair. We should be getting more because, and here's the quote, we have borne the burden of the work in the heat of the day. And the boss said, who is a representative of God in that story, said, you need to cool it. You're just jealous because I'm generous. Now, there is a little key there that I want to stick in just for your understanding. It took about a denarius, which is what the 6 a.m. bunch had contracted for. It took about that for a poor family to just exist for a day. And this boss was interested in supporting these families as well as getting the grapes out of his vineyard. And that is such a picture of God. You know, you don't, if you've, if you've borne the burden of the work in the heat of the day, you're going to have eternal life. As is the person who gets saved dying on a cross. Oh, I like that. Oh, I need that. See, that, that's just, that just fills up. So that we can be saved. We can have what we need. Well, sitting at this breakfast, this guy was complaining about that. And he pulls this in. He said, we have borne the burden of the word and the heat of the day. And I just, inside I just kind of imploded. It was like, oh my goodness, does he realize what he is saying? He is lining himself up with jealous jerks. And theologically, that's not a good thing. And so I was just worried, and this was all the symbols of God ministers around this table, and so I, I just shut up, you know, I just, and went straight back to the church and went down to the altar. We had a kneeling altar on this side, and I just fell across that altar, and I said, oh, God, you're going to bypass the symbols of God. And it was, it was not 10 seconds Till he spoke in my heart that line from the uh, Sermon on the Mount. He said, the one that hungers and thirsts after righteousness will be filled. And I just got up and I said, okay, I'm good with that. 
If they want to be jerks, they can do that. I can't stop them. I didn't have any influence over that bunch. You can trust me on that statement. And because um, they thought I was really weird. But, uh, and compared to them, I was. I thought they were really weird compared to me. They were. But anyway, that's, that's a long time ago. But the good part of that is that if you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you'll be filled. So if you're worried about your life being bypassed by somebody who's growing spiritually, or if you're worried about uh, God bypassing your church, just humble yourself and see God and see what He does. So we have, we have these people on the day Jesus was honored. We have these people who, who had their hand up on the inside. You know, you could just see the body language. Uh, no doubt it was a lot of it like this. And, and no, if, if they had in that culture, they had other uh, signs of resistance and opposition and disagreement, you would have been able to observe it because it was, it was very, very real, to the extent that this bunch is the ones that led the deal to kill Jesus. So we have these two people, and I propose to you that we have in our own hearts those two sides. And if, if those two sides are in each of us, then if, if you're giving the praise to God and the rejoicing in the revival and whatever God is wanting to do and however he's moving someone else forward that's next to you and you just say, I want some of that too, God, to whatever extent you see, then you sort of fit in that group that had their coats on the ground and their voices raised in praise to God for the coming of Jesus. If you're, if you're doing like this, and, uh, you know, whether, whatever it would be that you would say, well, that can't be God because, and we, then we just get this wonderful theological answer that will hold no water. None. It's like a sieve. Just pour your water down. You, you know what a sieve is. It's a strainer thing. They usually are a circular, most often, and they are dome-shaped, and usually they're inverted, so the little dome is down here. And you can just pour water through that, and it'll strain out large particles of stuff. And that's how watertight our arguments against God and His move are. And I hope, if you've ever resisted what God is doing, that you feel really, really stupid. Because you are really, really now, we don't say stupid at our house, right? <laughs> okay. Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him and to call his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things, he asked? I tell you the truth, not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming, I am the Christ and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. But see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen. But the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, 
kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most, more than half, most, means at least 51% will grow cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel, the gospel of this kingdom, will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. We are there, folks. We are at the end of this age. It is, I say that, and I don't want to be a false prophet, uh, but it looks to me like everything is, is getting so aligned that in a matter of months, we could be squarely in the middle of the 38th, 39th chapters of Ezekiel. And if, you don't, if you're not familiar with that, that's when there is a great uh, invasion of the nation of Israel. And apparently uh, some nuclear stuff happens. God rains fire. Uh, I don't know that it'll be nuclear. He could answer the, the, the picture in Scripture that way if he wants to. Um, some people think that that is, is a picture of Armageddon also. I, I'm not uh, going to enter into that today uh, because I'm not sure what I think about that. But don't worry about my uh, being unsure about how all of this is going to fit together. It's going to fit together. And God will take care of that. It's not up to me to figure it out so he can go ahead and do it. You hear that? Stick that in your own craw, okay? And choke on it if you don't agree, because it's the truth. You don't have to figure it out for him to do it. He sent the Messiah in the first place, and even his close disciples didn't understand what was going on. And they had to believe because, first of all, God had put faith in their hearts. And secondly, they saw all of these miracles and all of these signs, but they still had it all figured wrongly. So don't think you've got to be right so God can do it. He's going to do it anyway. You know, there is that, that um, line in Revelation, 30 minutes of silence in heaven. And that's when the prophecy preachers correct their charts. I'll give you time. It's okay. It's cute. Go ahead. I didn't think that one up. So here we are. we are. We are looking at running out of time. We are looking at as a congregation, God having moved us from, an, from another part of town to this part of town for specific purposes. He's made it clear in our hearts. And we've got our job to do. We've got our work to get done. And if we're running out of time... It would seem to me to be obvious that we need to then hurry. And if you think hurrying is not good in God's kingdom, and sometimes I would agree with that, at least we need to stop dragging our feet. And uh, I think uh, 
Jeremy and Brady made it very, very clear in, in spite of the way that they are, and I don't want them to change, I love it, but uh, you might not have gotten a lot of exact details of how to get people to open up to the gospel, but the idea is very clear, do it. Do it. Cry out to the Lord. There is not a set way. Every person is different. They need to be approached differently. And it is time for us to stop worrying about things that are going to pass away. By the way, congratulations to those of you who are KU fans. And uh, to those of you that are not KU fans, one of these days, basketball will pass away. And it really will. You say, they're not going to play basketball in heaven? It won't be like this, if they do. And I'm, I'm proud of that team. They, they're phenomenal. But anyway, uh, if Oklahoma University can't do it, well, it's, they, I'd as soon have Missouri or Kansas. It's not a big deal to me. But then some of you don't feel that way. <laughs> and that's okay. You can be saved too. God's arms are really, really open wide. There's going to be so much trouble at this part of, of our lifetime that the faith of many will grow cold. As a matter of fact, I, 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 I hate, I resist and, and wish it weren't this way. But it's, it, it didn't say many. The love of most will grow cold. Most means more than half. And that's not the unconverted. That's, that is we, folks. We are the ones who have love, the love of God. And there is the picture in Revelation of the church that leaves its first love and this would be something that's related to that. Now, how, what does that have to do with prayer? Well, I'm glad you asked that. Because here is where we are and what we must do, in my opinion. And, and uh, if you would please uh, just put the circle maker by Mark Batterson on so that you can perhaps write this down. Um, because I recommend this book. It, it, it'll encourage your praying. Part of, part of his material is taken out of Joshua, the sixth chapter, where it says, Now Joshua was tightly, or Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. And then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hand along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have all the people give a loud shout. And then the wall of the city will collapse and the people will go up every man straight in. This is a, a story that has been repeated so often because it is just it is just such a picture of God. Here is God. It, this, this reminds me 
of when Jehoshaphat the king, a uh, number of generations past this story, uh, was attacked by a, an unholy alliance of nations. And uh, they were coming up through the desert of Judea by Angedi. And the king called all the people together, called a fast, and the Lord spoke and said, you're not going to have to fight this one. You just send the uh, musical Levites out there, and they are going to praise my name, and I'm going to take care of this one. And, and you remember that story, if you're familiar with that. If you're familiar with the Old Testament, it's, it's just such a great thing because this large, strong alliance turned on each other, well, first the, the two kingdoms turned on the Edomites and killed all them, and then they turned on each other and killed all of each other, and the army of Judah went out and took three days to gather the spoils of war. That's amazing. That is an amazing story. Well, this is, this is the same kind of story. It's like counterintuitive. We're going to walk around the city and we're going to do this 13 times, and then we're, going to, then we're all going to shout, and the wall's are going to fall down. Right. Sure. Well, these people had faith. You see, some people, at least, at least Joshua had faith. I don't know. That bunch of Israel at that era, a little iffy. But, but Joshua believed God, and so for six days, they would just go out, and these, these guys with these shofars out in front of the troops are, are tooting these horns. And it's got to be really, really spooky because not a word was said by the soldiers. So they looped this thing the first day once. They loop it the second day. They loop it the third day, fourth, fifth, sixth. On the seventh day, they loop it. And loop it, 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 and loop it. And these horns are blowing all the time. And, and then, and then the, the thing changed. Long blast. Everyone shouted. And dust and dirt begin to rise up because walls begin to go down. And if you've ever seen a building that is like imploded to destroy it and take it away, there's this incredible amount of dust that goes up in the air. And I can see these, these Israelites <laughs> shouting and this dust starts going. And they're, you know, they, if they have the little Arab headdress on, they, that thing is fixed so that you can, you know, the little band here with the, the rag and you can pull one corner of that across your face and tuck it in up under that, that band. And I, can, I don't think they wore those, but if they had it, they'd had to do that because it was dusty. It was dirty. And they went straight in, conquered the city. It all belonged to the Lord, marching around it. You know what that's a picture of? That's a picture of what faith in God will do. You know what prayer is? It's an expression of faith in God. God has called us to be prayers. I, I do not know of any indication in, in the Scripture that there is a gift of intercession. I know we say people have that. Praise God. Pray for me if you have that. I don't want to talk you out of it. But 
that's probably just watching people who are willing to pray because I think every one of us can move mountains, bring down walls, conquer armies through intercession because you see worship is a huge part of intercession and this singing worship with all of these instruments that under Jehoshaphat conquered these, this invading army, that is a part of intercession. When we stand and, pr and bring praise to God, and you see, Nick is the, Nick is the uh, leader of the charge. He is the colonel. And in our army, the colonel is back here, and that's probably smart, but in Israel's army, the officers lead the charge. And they did it back then. And so when, when Nick and others who, who work with him and may, may be the leader in any given time, when they start leading the charge, give God what he deserves in worship, but understand that we are messing with family members that don't know the Lord. We are messing with that person on the job that, that you desperately want to see saved so you don't kill him. You know, you know him. Or maybe it's a she. It's, it's, it can be children, spouse, parents, siblings, neighbors. Um, I've got some neighbors that in my opinion, and I'm not, I'm not the judge of their heart, but in my opinion, they're going to be lost. And I wonder if there's any value in being a neighbor of newbie eternally. Maybe you don't want to move in my neighborhood. It might not do you any good. See, what about you? You say, well, you can't make them. <laughs> I, I believe that. I believe that. But when you're in the prayer closet and you're making this ark through the Holy Spirit, through the heart of God, over the fence, they can't resist it. They have walls out here, but you're doing this. You see, the Holy Spirit does not make it easy for them to, de to uh, defend themselves. Now, they, they probably have memorized all the answers they need to shut you down. And uh, you know what? The Holy Spirit knows questions that they've never thought of. And if they've thought of all of the questions that have ever been asked of people who needed to come to the Lord in the world, he will think of a new question to ask them because he's trying to get them. We must understand that our God has these arms that are incredibly long and he's reaching out and he's trying to drag these recalcitrant ones up on his lap and some of the lost people are recalcitrant if you don't know recalcitrant that means stubborn rebellious refusal to do the right thing that's it that's the neighborhood of that definition God is trying to get us trying to get them he cares we got a testimony this morning in our uh, pastor's prayer meeting before the service. One of my prayer partner's brother 
has resisted the Lord and <laughs> the witnessing of, of our man here for a hundred years. How many years? 35. Only 35, not a hundred. I was wrong, sorry. Boy, 35 is a long time to pray for some recalcitrant jerk. Okay? Long time. God has moved this guy without, without Warren actually getting to be the one that does the witness. The Lord just set up a deal. Set, I love it. Sets up this deal. And the guy didn't have a chance. He just set up this deal. And it wasn't a hammer. You know, we thank God, get them. If you have to kill them, get them. And I'm okay with that. That feels good to pray that sometimes, doesn't it? But the, that's human, okay? That's our strength. You come to the Lord or I'll shoot you. Uh, but the Lord can set up this thing and love them in and reach around them and just pick them up. Can he do that? Can he do that with your family? I don't know. They're pretty mean, Pastor. But there is that thing about prayer that we must remember. That every prayer that is prayed in the will of God is kept in heaven in gold bowls and these gold bowls are said to have incense in them God thinks they smell really good and the explanation is they're the prayers of the saints one of these books that I was that I've read by people who have died gone to heaven and then had to come back they write a book about their experience. One of them, this is a quote, in heaven, prayer has no shelf life. <laughs> I think I knew that, but oh, I love the way that sounds. Man, you just put it out there. And tomorrow, put it out there. If the Lord doesn't give you that picture that they are done and it's just a matter of time, you just need to hold them in praise, keep asking. The widow with the unjust judge kept coming back and he said, I'm going to have to help her. She's going to drive me nuts. How much more will your heavenly father than this unjust? He's totally just loving, gave his one and only son to save those people. Keep pouring it on. Keep pouring it on. And I am looking today. I want, I want to divide the crowd Parliamentary order, there is, uh, there is a move, a call for the division of the House. That means we're not going to do voice votes. We're going to raise hands, stand, or do secret ballot or some, some other kind than voice. And I don't, I don't want this to be seen, but I want this House divided. If there's anyone that says, no, I'm not going to pray, they're not worth it, or anything like that or if you're saying why would I pray I'm not even right with God I want you on one side and I want everyone else on the side that says 
if Jesus waits to come 100 years, or it's 100 hours, whichever it is, whichever is closer, I am going to live as if it's 100 minutes. And I am going to pray today as if it's my last chance to pray for those people that God has put into my life and they're going to go to hell if they don't turn. Their present course, will they'll bust the bottom out of hell. And folks, that's just how real it is. We feel guilty when we... St- I know I, I, I try not to project guilt very much. We feel guilty when we start talking like that. But let me tell you, meet it, meet it in the prayer closet because you have more power there than you do witnessing to them. Now, when the Lord opens the door, by all means, speak the word. That is such fun. If you have never had a little bit of a witness going on and you, you just decide... I'm just going to see if they're ready. And you say, are you ready to pray and ask the Lord in your heart? And they say, yes. That just blows your mind. And so I want you to be available for that. But our power is not there. The reason they did that is because a whole bunch of people for a long time have been nailing them in the prayer closets. And you got to be there and speak the word. Preachers get to do that. Man, I love it. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for interceding. I get to lead them to the Lord sometimes. Wow. But the power is in the prayer closet. The power is circling the walls. Circling the walls every day. Don't become weary in well-doing. The King James says from Galatians, For in due season... You will reap if you do not faint. May we pray. Father, I ask for those that are not walking with you that before they leave this room.